Hello everyone and welcome to episode 378 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this fine Monday, Richard? Hey Seth, doing well, doing well. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing very well. It is beautiful out. We finally had like a 75 degree day here in upstate New York, which always makes me feel a little bit, I don't know, like a good mood now that spring is here. Plus, we're like a day away from early access event to check out streets and new cabana with new magic cards and new magic sets. So I'm I'm really hyped at the moment, but I'm getting off topic. We got another co-host in Krim. Good morning, Krim. How are you today? Uh, Pretty good. Just, you know, doing my usual thing, uh, staying up late, building multiple decks also for cabana. <laughs> and just like really excited to take a crack at what standard's going to look like. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff that I'm excited to try out in standard. There's just a lot of really cool cards in this set, so it should be super fun. I'm really excited for Streets of New Cabana. Uh, that's not one of our biggest topics for today, though. We do have a couple of big topics. First up, we finally got our format announcement on Magic Arena, our new format, and it's Explorer. So we're going to talk all about the Explorer format on Arena. Then we're going to talk about the price of magic going up that was announced this week, maybe a little bit about the return of paper events, and then, of course, answer your fish mail question. So that's the overview for today. Before we get into it, though, a reminder that our show today is brought to you by Card Conduit, and we've been telling you about Card Conduit, a really great way to sell your magic collection in their curated shipment service that lets you sell your valuable cards with a reduced service fee for a while now. And as long as your cards have a retail value of at least $2, you can send in as many as you want, and still just pay a 5% service fee. And as with all of Card Conduit services, you don't get to sort your cards, you don't get to grade your cards, you just get to skip over all those hassles, safely package everything up and ship them out, and you'll even get a detailed report with their results. So you can check out Card Conduit's curated shipment option as a way to buy list cards with fast processing, optimized prices, and the low, low service fee of just 5%. And right now, you can even get another 10% off by heading over to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish, Card Conduit, they're the easiest way to sell your magic card. So thanks so much to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And let's talk about Explorer. So we've been waiting for a long time, for months or weeks, to hear about this new format coming to Magic Arena. People have been wanting Pioneer, but Wizards wouldn't promise Pioneer. So we finally got the announcement. Richard, what do we get? What's this new format? All right. We are working towards Pioneer slowly. So it's going to be Explorer. It's basically all the cards available on the Arena client that are legal in Pioneer. And they will be adding cards via like a Master's Edition style. So like in Historic Anthologies and like select sets they haven't said yet. They'll be adding like the staples in over time. They expect to get to full Pioneer over several years. Uh, in the interim, the ban list may be customized for this new format uh, but initially think of it as all cards on magic arena with a pioneer ban list so it's the intersection of pioneer and historic wow <sighs> so so for me heading into this announcement i mentioned this on twitter like it was basically pioneer bust uh, there was no other 
no other format wizards could give other than a pioneer literal pioneer or a format working towards pioneer that i would consider a successful announcement so for me this mostly nailed what i wanted uh obviously it's not full pioneer but it is heading that direction and we do have from wizards again more or less a promise to work towards pioneer that's a whole idea of this explorer format the only part of the announcement the one part that i didn't like was just the time frame of it taking several years to get to full pioneer that seems too long to me especially considering you don't need that many cards people have done some research on this and really dug into it and you could make a, a master set one master set and pretty much have all the top tier decks in the meta you won't get all the crazy brews and all the fringe cards that is going to take some time but there is a way that we could get to something very very close to full pioneer with like a single set release so that's the only part of the announcement i didn't like they they nailed it with the format i'm thrilled that they're heading towards pioneer I just hope they get there a little quicker than several years in the future. But uh, what was your initial reaction to this, Grim? Okay, so I am a lot like you in that I was a little concerned about this whole two years thing. I had mentioned it before. Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duels like just dropped 11,000 cards on launch, right? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, so I'm like, okay, how, how, how can you not do this? And it within like a year, right? Like I, I would say a year is like tops. But then I realized... You know what? I think they, th this might be the optimist in me. I think they actually said two years. So that gives them leeway for them to like fall somewhere short of that. Cause I, I just don't think two years is what you need to make that right. Like there's, there's, let's say you break it down. There's probably like 23, 2900 cards, right? Left, uh, to make it full on pioneer, right? Uh, or let, let's just say uh, for the sake of this, let's just round it out to an even 3,000. A thousand of those cards are actually played. The ones that are missing. So if you take that down, so you have a thousand cards, I just don't see how they couldn't get this in under a year. So this leads me to believe, or again, this is my optimism, in that I think they're going to be finished before two years. They just say that so that this way, no matter what, they can fall short of that and look good. And, you know, I, I, I can respect that. I mean, I, I guess it is true if they say two years or several years or whatever, and then they actually do it in a year, everyone's going to be thrilled. Right. <laughs> so if, if they're trying to make some good PR or whatever, like that would be a way to get it done. And I would say like, I, I'm a completionist. I play so many weird decks that I really want every weird possible possibly playable card on the format but i think you could get to a tier version of pioneer with probably even less than a thousand cards i think a, a thousand cards would give me what i want probably which is like anything that i could possibly use for an against odds deck is going to be on the client uh, but i think you could get to something that was the top tier decks of the meta the top 20 50 whatever like pretty big number with even less than that so i, I too am hopeful that maybe it'll happen quicker than they're saying and I think that would be a really big deal because I'm really curious how popular this format's going to be immediately. We don't have a lot of comparisons for this. The only thing I can think of is like on Magic Online, for a while we didn't have Vintage. And this might have been true of Legacy as well. I can't remember exactly. Uh, but I know we didn't have Vintage. And they had a format called Classic, I believe, that was essentially the same as Explorer. It was right, like right. Vintage, but only the cards that are on Magic Online. Um, 
In that format, people played it because it was the only option, but it wasn't until they actually put all the vintage cards on there that people really got hyped for the format. What do you guys think about the short term of this Explorer format? How popular do you think this is going to be while it is Pioneer Light and not full Pioneer? Uh, you know, while I, I think with the, um, I don't know, just from me browsing around the internet, I think the general consensus that uh, a lot of people don't like the digital cards. So uh, I, I'm pretty sure this will just replace historic when it comes to popularity. I mean, there will be the few of us that still enjoy the digital cards, but I think a majority of the people uh, just don't like the idea of digital cards. So this would kind of give them that right. Like you get away from the rebalance cards, you get away from like, you know, the alchemy cards uh, and then, you know, you let you let historic become the wild format, essentially Hearthstone's wild format. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I actually do think Explorer will give people what they want because it won't be any of the digital or the modified stuff. Yeah. Short term. What do you think, Richard? I think it's going to be pre-alchemy historic. It's like, I mean, it's literally the same card pool, right? Band list will be slightly different. But as the format goes on, it's going to look like the historic band list because they're going to be like, well, it's the same cards and these things are broken. So we got to fix the same things. Uh, so short term, I think it's the same. Um. I'm debating whether I should say this on podcast or not because (laughs) (laughs) this announcement is like the first time like people have received anything from like the arena team positively. Like if you look around, like most people are very positive about this and like they really want Pioneer uh, on the format. This is like the first W for them in arena for a really long time. Right. But I'll tell you why it's going to take two years. Right. Like you guys said, it's like 500 cards, maybe like 300 to get like full pioneer, like, you know, top tier metagame. That's one set, guys. A set has 255 cards or whatever. Right. The reason they spread it out is to milk as much money out of you as possible. Right. If you stretch your spendings over a year, you can spend a lot of money. But if I make you buy like 500, like must buy staples right now, you can only buy like 10. Right. They are stretching it out to take your money, right? And, you know, the the problem with alchemy, I think, is not alchemy itself. It's not the digital only, right? It was the fact that it put a spotlight on the arena economy and then people got outraged. And this doesn't change the arena economy. So I don't, I don't know. Like, to me, it's more of the same old. They're going to stretch it out. It's going to be a premier format, which you will pay lots of money to play. And they will try to milk as much money out of us. So that part I'm not too thrilled about. And I know they can get the cards out much faster, but they won't. So that part I'm not thrilled about either. Like, you tell me Yu-Gi-Oh! has a technology, but Magic doesn't? Like, okay, come on. <laughs> right? Just just hire, <laughs> like, five more yet. interns technology. and get those thousand <laughs> cards out, right? Like, they just don't want to do it because you cannot fork over $1,000 to play Pioneer. But you can fork over $100 each month over the next two years, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that is true. That's the only reason I can think of that we don't just get a huge dump of cards really quickly because I I really can't believe that they really don't have the technology to add the cards quickly. And it's got to be that they are trying to release them in the most profitable way possible. I will say, even though we know and we've beaten this into the ground and rightly so that the arena economy has a lot of issues and it's really expensive. I will say that uh, Explorer, Pioneer in specific, might be the cheapest format. Like, it's a format that doesn't rotate, for one thing. It doesn't get 
once it's completed at least it's not going to be getting oh here's a bunch of random cards oh here's a bunch of alchemy cards here's a bunch of whatever strixhaven mystical archives like pioneer doesn't get all that stuff so it does seem like I don't know, kind of like old modern. You remember with modern when we used to talk about it, we're like, okay, like, yeah, it costs a lot to get into, but if you actually build a modern deck, you can make some slight upgrades and play it for a bunch of years. So in the long run, modern was actually cheaper than standard that rotated all the time because you could keep using your cards for such a long time. I'm really hopeful that Explorer slash Pioneer is going to be that place on Arena where, yeah, it's going to take a lot of wild cards to build your blue-white control deck or your sacrifice deck or whatever deck that you want. But once you build it, because we're not getting that constant influx of new cards and random cards that you need to keep up with the meta, hopefully you won't have to spend a lot to keep up and be able to play that deck for a very long time. So... Fingers crossed that in a weird roundabout way, this is the cheapest way to play on Arena, even though you still do have like just that huge upfront cost that is attached to every format on Arena because of how the economy is set up. I thought Lures dispelled this myth, Seth, where we could just throw the whole format out the window when they print Lures 2.0. <laughs> oh, God. Please, <laughs> right? no. When they print another round of free Evoke Elementals or something, you could just take your deck and just like incinerate it. The difference is modern, you could sell your cards. Right on all formats yeah. that we played modern previously, either tabletop or moto, you can sell your cards. So you were kind of assured that yes, you you dropped like five hundred dollars, but you could at least get like two hundred, three hundred dollars back. But arena, it's it's going into Watsi's pocket, so you need to really believe, and you really need to believe they don't abandon Pioneer on arena as well, right? Like nothing is worse than you buy all the alchemy cards and then they're like, sorry guys, no more alchemy. We're going pioneer. And then you're like, what do I do with all my alchemy cards? I just spent all my wild cards, right? Like you gotta be actually afraid of that happening as well. Yeah. I mean that, that is a bit of a concern. Uh, I think that this, as you said though, Richard has been the most positive reception I've seen to an arena announcement, maybe ever, or at least since <laughs> like the early days of arena, there's been a lot of people, a surprising number of people that have actually told me they're reinstalling arena because of this. Like I, I didn't realize this. And sometimes it's hard to tell with us magic players, something will happen and then there'll be a big freak out and everyone will say I'm uninstalling arena or I'm selling my collection. And you always wonder like how many people actually went through with that. But I think that actually some people really did go through with that in response to alchemy. And uh, in that change, like it seems like some people really did quit arena over it. And this is bringing those people, hopefully at least some of them back into the client, which seems like a really big positive. So I think people are just uh, the alchemy stuff ended up being such a disaster. Like I I'm still amazed at just like how big of a deal that ended up being. And I feel like this, mostly helps fix that problem. Sure, alchemy still exists, historical still exists, but this gives players a place to play without those cards if they don't want to play with those cards, which I think is a really, really big thing. But uh, what do you think, Grim? Like, uh, how do you expect the popularity of Explorer to compare to historic in the short term? I would say long term, I would guess that Pioneer would take over. Like, if you actually had full Pioneer, I think the fact that you can play a paper pro tour or whatever in Pioneer, but you can in historic would probably give it an edge. But what do you think in this in-between period? Like, do you think more people will play Alchemy or not Alchemy, Historic, or more people will play uh, Pioneer slash Explorer? I think they're going to play Explorer. And that's just because, yeah, again, it's the closest thing they're going to get to like Pioneer. And a lot of people don't like the digital cards. So yeah, I, I think this is just definitely going to be 
uh, explore. It, it, it'll it'll do yeah what like historic did a while back, like Richard had mentioned. All right, I have a so question as far for you guys, as, oh go ahead, yeah. Okay, in in order of most likely formats to die. Okay, I want you guys to, <laughs> to rank them: alchemy, historic, and modern. Ooh. Most likely, Pioneer to die? on Arena, the game changer. Yeah. So if people play Pioneer on Arena, do people play Modern anymore? Right. Like if if your only avenues are tabletop and Moto, like Moto doesn't count, right? And if Pioneer is the premier digital format, is anyone playing Historic? Like what's the point of Historic? And if people are playing Pioneer, does Wizard still make digital only cards for Alchemy? Like what do you guys think? I I think yeah. So Alchemy dies first, right? And then, and then historic eventually dies the, as we get farther or closer and closer to pioneer. I just don't see how like pioneer kills modern though, unless they somehow miraculously manage to get that on. Like, no, yeah, like it doesn't even matter. Yeah. The moto, moto, I, at this point, they've shown that there are just moto, uh, like devoted and there are moto devoted people and they're going to play a moto forever, right? So, yeah, I mean, so it won't die die but it will become something like legacy where there's always a place to play it but it's just like not a premier popular format like you know what what vint like legacy replace vintage and then modern replace legacy does pioneer replace modern on this timeline now i guess so if that's what you mean yeah yeah like so like modern would then slot right into where legacy would be yeah when we yeah. say eternal we all mean pioneer now yeah so, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Uh, so, so I would say I think the most likely to die is historic. I it's really hard for me to see how historic makes it out of this long term. Um, just because I think pioneer is going to end up being more popular uh, once we actually get full pioneer, especially just based on the the reaction that we've seen to digital only cards, to the nerfs and the buffs, to all that kind of stuff. So I'm not really sure. I, I'm sure there will always be some historic devotees who are going to, you know, play it forever because they like all the wackiness of it, which is great. But I think as far as popularity, uh, I think that Explorer will end up mostly killing historic or making it like a niche format. Alchemy, I think Wizards is going to stay committed to. I I just don't think after their big announcement and all this stuff they put into it, no matter how unpopular it is, I think they're going to keep trying for at least a while longer to make Alchemy work, which maybe is actually a good thing. Like, here's the thing for me. Like, if we have Pioneer on Arena and that's my eternal format and I don't have to worry about historic and having nerfs and buffs hitting my eternal format and all this stuff then I kind of like the alchemy idea again. Like that, because my big issue with alchemy wasn't alchemy. It was what it was doing to historic combined with the economy. So if they fix the economy, which we're still, you know, who knows? They've taken some very, very small steps, but uh, they fix the historic problem by adding this pioneer format. So I feel like alchemy might actually keep chugging along for a while. And then modern, I think it's going to depend on how they handle Pioneer now that it's getting more eyes on it. Do we see Pioneer start getting Pioneer Horizons and uh, they sort of do all that stuff that they did to Modern to it? If they start doing that, then I, uh, there's not as much difference between Pioneer and Modern. But if they manage Pioneer well, I do think it's very possible that Pioneer will pass Modern as the premier eternal format 
not immediately, but not in the super distant future. And modern will probably not be legacy. Like legacy, it's basically a magic online format at this point. Very few people can afford to play it in paper. I think that modern will be more popular than legacy, but I do think that it'll end up being like the second most popular in our own hitting format behind Pioneer, assuming Wizards handles Pioneer well moving forward. What do you think, Richard? What's your ranking? I think Alchemy dies before Historic. I, I think I think it's dying on its own before this thing. Like I don't know, like Wizards has to keep trying, but I, I I've been thinking about it. I think the reason people hate Alchemy is because they see magic as ripping off Hearthstone. Whereas in their eyes, magic is the original and like the almighty magic the gathering should not be copying Hearthstone. So this is like this is unacceptable and I cannot support this no matter how good the gameplay or no matter how cheap it is. So I feel alchemy is done. I feel historic is next to go. And I do think modern's time is coming to an end. Like the card pool is too big. I think it's too expensive. If there's not a premier digital client to play modern on, it will go by the wayside. So if Pioneer slash Explorer is successful on Arena, then modern's days are numbered. And then, you know, all us boomers will gather at Eternal Weekend or something, <laughs> play the modern event. <laughs> we'll bust out Tarmogoyce or whatever while all the Zoomers have their iPhones playing, you know, the Pioneer million dollar event in the next hall, right? So I think that's what will happen. Unless Wizards decides to put Modern on Arena after they're done with Pioneer. But That's not I, happening for like I 30 years. doubt that. Yeah. At, at least 30 years. <laughs> I mean, the alternate world is Wizards charges too much, Explorer flops, no one plays Pioneer, and then Modern is king, right? Because if you're going to play Tabletop, you might as well just play Modern, right? So it could flop. Although... Although even in tabletop, like modern is just so expensive. Like uh, Pioneer was doing pretty well as a paper focus format before the pandemic yeah, hit. Yeah. And now that we're actually starting to get paper events again and sort of like moving past the pandemic a little bit, I think that maybe Pioneer will thrive in paper. Cause just looking at the prices we have on the site, it's like really jarring when you look at modern and it's a uh, top tier decks, 1200, 1400. I saw one other day that was pushing 2000, which is just absurd. And then you go to Pioneer and the top tier decks are even with recent price increases, 300, 300, 500, 200. It's just like you can buy the, the entire top tier of the Pioneer meta, like three or four or five decks for the same price as a single top tier modern deck. So I think there's still an appeal for Pioneer and paper at this point. But if that changes and all of a sudden Pioneer is modern, then who knows? Maybe Pioneer prices end up modern prices and then that competitive advantage goes away. If you're paying just as much for Pioneer or close to as much, then there's, you know, not not as much of a reason to play it. But I do think that Pioneer can really thrive in paper, especially right now. The timing's good with paper pro tours coming back, paper qualifiers that are for the Pioneer format. So this really is the year of Pioneer. Speaking of Pioneer, I'm really curious what you guys think of the Explorer meta. One thing I've been working on, and there should be a full video in, a, in an article up on this site sometime this week, by the weekend at the latest, kind of going over this stuff, but I'm really curious what you think about what Pioneer decks are going to make it immediately in Explorer. We know long-term, they're going to be the same, but short-term, what are you expecting to be at the top of the Explorer meta? I know that everyone's going to uh, be very upset, but it's blue-white. <laughs> Blue-white's the, the best deck already, right? Like you, And it doesn't have Supreme Verdict, so it's not like it needs it right now. 
I mean, Supreme Verdict is going to be very good for it when it gets here, but for right now, it has other ways to get around it, right? So, yeah, like, blue-white easily ports right over. Um, as someone who plays nothing but that blue-white pretty much in Pioneer, like, it just seems like it, it would easily slot right in. I will say, I think that there's two decks, really, that I have pegged to be the best decks in the format immediately. One of them is blue-white control. The deck that I think gives it a run for its money, though, is probably going to be Winota. I think Nia Winota, like... It loses essentially nothing, depending on the build that you play. Some builds have, like, Elvish Mystic, which isn't there yet on Arena, but you got Gilded Goose to replace it. There's no Voice of Resurgence, which is good against Control, but there's also versions of Winota that have been winning tournaments that lose quite literally nothing, that aren't playing those cards, and you can just directly port over. So I would expect Winota and Blue White to immediately be the two best decks in the format, and I honestly... Phoenix gets a ton worse, I think. <laughs> I mean, compared to Pioneer. So I think Phoenix is interesting. I think that Phoenix will exist. Like, people will find a way to make it work. But if you look at the dominant build in Pioneer, you lose Thing in the Ice, which is right. huge. That's, like, kind of the core, along with Arclight Phoenix, of the Pioneer builds of Visit Phoenix. And then you also lose some pretty good Delve cards. Instead? Uh, you can, but I don't think, I don't know. Do you think the egg is, is enough? Yeah. Like, uh, you don't, you don't get the hard reset, like thing in the ice does where you just bounce everything. You right. keep your seven, eight. It's a lot slower to deal with your opponent's board. Not that it's bad, but then you also lose like treasure cruise. I was going to say the main uh, thing you're losing is actually temporal trespass extra turn. And yeah, treasure yep. cruise, right? Those are the things that keep the deck afloat, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe, uh, it's, it's not like they can't find something else in place of it, right? Like, so, so, like, example, we are going to be getting Capenna. And with Capenna, they could just go Grixis and add Tainted Indulgence, right? So, so they'll continue to add up more draw spells. Like, it, it won't be, it won't be obviously Treasure Cruise, cause not many things will ever be Treasure Cruise, but it's good enough. Right, it's it fills your yard. It does all the things you'd want. So you splash the third color. You'll have the triumph for it. So I I don't know. I mean, they could, and they would just play dragon in place of thing in the ice. My yeah, that's what I was gonna say. My expectation is that Phoenix will adapt and exist in Explore, but I think that it'll look more like the historic decks, where instead of being this thing in the ice, flip it style deck. You're going to be more of like a Sprite Dragon, yeah. maybe Crackling Drake, Arclight Phoenix, more of like a a, a prowessy build of, of Phoenix, just like we see in Historic, essentially. So I do think that Phoenix will exist, but I think it is going to look a, a lot different than it does in Pioneer, just because you are missing some really key, uh, key cards. The other deck that I think is going to be in the running for those top tier slots. Uh, maybe not quite on the same level as Blue White and Winota, but it's really the Sacrifice decks. If you look at like Jun Sacrifice or Rakdos Sacrifice, both of which are, I guess, solid second tier decks. I think the top tier of current Pioneer being Winota, Mono Red, and Azorius, and maybe you can argue for Hidden Stirrings being in there, uh, but I think those three are really the standouts. And then in the next level, you have the Racto Sacrifice, the Jun Sacrifice. Those decks don't lose anything. You still got the Cauldron Familiars. You still got the Mayhem Devils. So there's really no losses, and we've seen those decks be really, really strong uh, in arena formats already. Like in Historic, we've seen good Sacrifice decks. So I think that's another deck that's immediately going to be fighting for top tier another like 
option that is a little scary is Mardu Greasefang. Uh, that's another <laughs> Pioneer deck that's yeah. like solid tier two. It doesn't lose anything going to explore from Pioneer. And something I've been wondering about too is the whole best of one versus best of three thing. Right. Because decks like Winota and Greasefang in specific. Those are going to dominate I best think of they one. get a boost in best of one. In yeah. best of one, they're just so well suited. So I think that those decks in best of one might actually be the best decks in the format if you're playing best of one, even on top of blue-white control. When in best of three, then I think it expands out a little more in blue white control is definitely one of the best decks the sacrifice decks get even better but one thing i'm a little concerned about do you think there's any chance that bringing explorer slash pioneer to arena ends up hurting the format because best of one exists like right now in pioneer grease fang's fine it's a good deck people have played with it but it's not something people are saying needs to be banned winota maybe right on the fringe of something that people would say would need to be banned but again it's not something that has really drawn a ton of calls for bannings yet but i feel like in best of one those might be very dominant so do you have any worry that because we're now getting best of one pioneer or explorer then we're going to see bannings that we wouldn't have gotten otherwise because of the differences between best of one and best of three and not having access to sideboard hate cards. I, I mean, I think that Winota should be banned anyways, regardless of best of one or best of three. So, uh, and like yeah. ban the Lotus field now while you, while we can, right? I mean, it's going to be a problem eventually once everything comes in. So just ban those two, get it out of the way now. And this makes transitioning right into actual pioneer, just, you know, well, okay, right? So, I don't know. I I I do think that there are obviously there's going to be like some Tybalt trickeries or something like that, right? Like maybe something else gets banned. Yeah. Uh be, in best of 1, but maybe not in best of 3. Uh do I think that best of 1 existing hurts Pioneer in any way shape or form though? Uh no, not really. Right? Like best of 1 is just going to be another format within the format. I mean, I guess if they just ban things in best of one, then it doesn't matter. Like, right. if something like Grease Fang is dominant in best of one, but fine in best of three, well, hopefully they just ban it in best of one or whatever. I mean, I can't see them banning anything out of Grease Fang just because, example, they would have done it, like, in historic, potentially, right? Uh, and, and I think with the way the best of one plays, I think it's just implied that, okay, well, that means you got to make the decision. Are you going to play main deck graveyard hate? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've heard some people talking about Grease Fang being too good in Historic. I don't know if there's been, like, the mass calls for it, but I think it's a card that could get banned in Historic eventually or or in Pioneer eventually in Best of One. But I guess, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. What, uh, what do you think about all this, Richard? Any thoughts? I think you bring up a good point, Seth. So for you Moto Commander aficionados back uh, out there... <laughs> So Wizards, like, heavily slandered Commander by releasing 1v1 Commander. And if you remember that format, it was like Baral.format, where <laughs> you just, oh, I heard Commander's a cool thing. Here's this 1v1 Commander on Moto. Let me try. You, you, you load in. You get everything countered. You die. And you're like, what the heck is this format? Garbage. Right? I think if they don't do this correctly, and everyone defaults to... Uh, so the default will be best of one pioneer or best of one explorer. If they don't handle the ban list appropriately, I think a lot of people get turned off by the format, right? You you walk in uninteractively, get destroyed by Grease Fang. Like, what are you going to do? Main main deck graveyard hate? And then you run into mono red. You're like, that's great. Um, so the, the transition from a competitive best of three format into an online best of one grinder, I guess, like... Has to be done carefully, and they, I think they will have to split the ban list into best of one and best of three, and you will have different 
uh, sets of banned cards. Like they, I think they did this with Nexus of Fate or whatever for for standard. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like the more powerful your format, the more important your sideboard cards are. And modern without a sideboard is a like totally different format. So I assume Pioneer will be the same. So we talked about uh, the decks that are going to probably make it an explorer. There's also a handful of top tier decks from Pioneer that are just not going to make it at this point that are missing cards. And I think the the three biggest ones, uh, Spirits get pretty bad. Uh, you're missing Mausoleum Wander. You're missing Selfless Spirit. You're missing Spell Queller. Those are kind of the the key spirits, the, the best spirits, really. So I think that for the time being, like Bant Spirits, just won't exist in Explorer. The other two big ones, I think, are Hidden Stirring's Lotus Field combo and also Ascendancy, Jeskai Ascendancy combo. They just, they're missing way too much stuff. Ascendancy combo is missing literal Jeskai Ascendancy, which is the only card in that deck that really matters. And then the Hidden Stirring's Lotus Field deck, you're missing Hidden Stirring's, Pour Over Pages, Sylvan Scrying, Thespian Stage, Dark Petition, a pretty long list of cards. So I think those are the decks that I would say, if you're a Pioneer player, don't expect to be playing those ones. Unlike something like Phoenix, where... I think you can build a good Explorer Phoenix deck, even if it isn't exactly the same as the Pioneer build. I don't think there's a way to do that with Spirit's Ascendancy or the the Lotus Field hitting Stirrings combo at this point. So those will be decks eventually as we get more cards added to the card pool. But for launch, at least, uh, I wouldn't worry about those, which I'm actually kind of happy about because oh, as much as I've loved Pioneer recently, I do kind of hate losing to the Lotus Field deck. Yep. That deck is just yep. so obnoxious. It's it's like Pioneer Eggs, almost. Like, it has that same, like, oh, sit there for a whole bunch of minutes while your opponent does all this stuff that may or may not win the game. And, you know, it'll, like, almost certainly win the game, but it's not deterministic, so you can't really, like, scoop in good conscience. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> I, I'm glad that that's... Can you do this on Vita, <laughs> even if you wanted to? Oh, so I think you're casting spells. So I think it should function on Arena because when you cast a spell, it adds a little bit to your clock. So I guess we'll have to see, but I expect that it'll probably be playable just because of how the combo actually works. But I'm glad we won't have to deal with those immediately. Uh, is there anything else you're looking forward to in this format, Crimmer uh, Richard, before we talk about other stuff? Uh, Kalidus, Trader of Get. That's all I want. I don't I don't yes. care about anything else right now. Just give me Kalidus because I've been in dire need of Kalidus in my life. <laughs> yeah, that's that one stood out in a lot of deck lists I've been looking at. Like, oh, most of the cards are there, but no Kalidus, no Kalidus. So, yeah, that I think is one of the one of the premier missing cards right now. I mean, I just want them to add as many cards as quickly as possible, because my favorite thing to do in old formats is to play some stupid uncommon like nobody knows. <laughs> Right, but like you need your strangle root, guys. <laughs> yeah, like imps mischief, like this garbage, right? And like they're not gonna put these cards online. So what am I gonna get people with? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I'm also in the just add cards as quickly as possible. Like get them on there. You're give us a master set. My my dream is that they pull the pioneer master set off of whatever shelf it's sitting on, and maybe we get that released like this year, even because we know they were like well into design of it like they were very close to actually releasing it when they pulled the plug and went the alchemy direction instead uh so i'm hopeful that maybe that set's almost ready to go and it could come out very quickly uh, because i think that's the that's the one thing that's missing right now and similar to richard the thing i love about modern and the thing i love about pioneer is just the diversity and all the other 
the crazy things you can do, the weird cards that you can play, and while we do have a lot of the, the best cards already, we are missing some of those weird wacky cards, so the sooner we get those, the better, but I think overall we're in agreement that this is a pretty good announcement, and fingers crossed it actually is going to be a pretty positive thing for Arena and for players. One can only hope, so yeah, like, I, I, I genuinely do think, though, that, like, if they don't do something about the, the cards and adding it a lot faster, it will hurt the format. That's probably the most detrimental yeah. thing to them right now. So they need to figure that out. All right. So moving on to our next topic, I had to ask you about this one. So Wizards announced this past week, the prices are going up. Prices are going up 11% uh, across the board, essentially. Draft boosters, set boosters, supplemental sets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Things are going up. What do you think of this price increase? Because we've got some really mixed mixed responses. So on one hand, like, I never want to see magic get more expensive. Uh, I think that's just a bad thing in general. On the other hand, I feel like magic hasn't really increased in price in quite a while as far as I feel like I was buying boosters for the same price like 10 or 15 years ago as they were like a month ago. And it's only 11%. It's not like a doubling. What do you what do you think of this change? Uh, there's been a lot of bad feelings about this, especially since Wizards is always reporting, you know, record breaking revenues <laughs> or whatever. Why do you need to raise prices when you're making more money than ever? But what do you think? Is this price increase actually a big deal, a detriment to the game or not as big of a deal as maybe people think? I mean, I, I kind of just assumed it was always going to happen, right? Every all my comic books, they go up. It, it was like three dollars, right? Now it's like five dollars an issue. So, and like that, that adds up. So when you think about it, like a booster pack, uh, was what? Like I was paying $3. LGS is, I guess, can try to homie hook it up and like take the loss, right? And I don't know if they have any room to do that. So like they could still charge you what they, you know, they, they were charging before. And then yeah, just eat whatever losses there are, but it's most likely they are going to increase the price. And I don't know. It, it sucks, but I also kind of like expected this to happen. So, uh, naturally, you know, the company wants to be greedy or, like, get more money. Sure. I'm not surprised. This is going backwards. I mean, <laughs> the, the number one barrier to getting your friends to play Magic is price, right? You want to come over, have a little Magic the Gathering night? All right. Just take $500, go to the LGS, get a commander deck, and then uh, I'll see you at my house, right? Like, it is so expensive. And... They are just continuing to increase price rather than finding, you know, ways to make money. Like if they made secret layers more expensive, but kept draft boosters the same price, I'd be fine with that. Right. Like, you know, maybe we want to become, you know, we, we want to do the, the Morrow's toenails 10 of 10 card or something and charge you like through the roof. But the base game is cheap to play. Uh, but they're not doing that. And I think they're going backwards because in 2022, you can be entertained for very little money. Right. There's like YouTube, there's Twitch, right? There's, you know, free to play games, right? You can play Fortnite, you can play League, you can play all these games for free. And then here's Magic the Gathering increasing the base cost for everyone, right? So I, I don't know. I, I don't like it. I wish they found some other means of monetizing. Um, you know, maybe the Magic movie could be very successful and offset the price of the game, right? Like there, there are other ways to, to make more money than just 
you know, taking your most loyal customers and charging them more and then kind of gatekeeping other people from joining the game. So I, I don't like it, but it is a business. Yeah. They, they do businessy things. It, it has to happen. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I wish it wouldn't happen. Uh, like Richard said, I, I always wish the game was cheaper at the same time after just like going to the grocery store, filling my car with gas recently. I'm kind of like, well, I don't know. 11% doesn't sound that bad compared to the prices of a lot of things right now. So maybe it's not the end of the world. But yeah, I mean, in general, Magic's biggest problem with getting in new players is that it's an expensive game and getting more expensive isn't going to help there. And I think it's also important to realize that this also will impact the price of singles because yep, yep. uh, the price of the singles is basically tied to the amount of value in the box and the cost of the box, the whole EV thing that we've talked about many times in the past. But if you see an 11% increase in the price of sealed product, that is also going to be reflected in a similar increase with the price of singles, not evenly throughout every single to be the best cards or whatever that get more expensive compared to the bad cards. But we are going to see singles be more expensive too so keep an eye for that even with like the commander decks i was shocked at how expensive the new commander decks are honestly like i was looking on ebay and you can get the a set of the five commander decks from last year for around 130 bucks and uh the cheapest you can find the new commander decks right now is around 220 which is whoo that's a, a pretty pretty big price increase even with just the commander decks. so I guess we'll see what happens, but probably not a not a positive thing overall. Anyway, any other thoughts on uh, either of those topics? All right, we got one more. We got one more bit of news before we get to fish mail, and that is we got the announcement that Paper Magic's coming back. We talked about organized play a couple of weeks ago. Well, we got an announcement last week that Command Fests are returning. There are fifteen Command Fests coming up across the world over the summer basically between june and july actually there's a huge run of them uh we're going to one of them crim me and you are going to be in uh in richmond in the first week of june that's the the first one back actually but there's vegas and philly and frankfurt germany and sydney australia and brazil and mexico city uh, how big of a deal is this like how big of a deal is it that we are seeing paper magic have events like this for the first time in two years since the pandemic really hit yeah, like, I mean, seeing these events is going to be big because, you know, it means, like, this kind of dictate, like, how many other events are going to happen, right? Like, how well these do. It also, like, you know, like, how how popular is Commander since the last Command Fest, right? Because the last one I went to was the Seattle one. And they're going to be able to see how popular that is. And that might determine, like, how future Magic Gathering events would go, right? Like, GPs. Now, maybe the side event is, like, a modern tournament. And the main event is Command Fest, right? Because it almost feels like, you know, as as we had mentioned a while back, we kind of see how Magic has shifted towards just, like, Commander as the main focus, right? Or like, the, 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 you know, the basic way to play the game almost. And, yeah, like, I... This will be cool to see. And the one that we're going to is going to be like the Baldur's Gate pre-release. So that'll be fun. Uh, I, I don't know. I, this is just going to be, I, I think, a lot of testing the waters and seeing where magic, paper magic uh, is. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm pretty hyped to have paper events coming back. I think... As someone who mostly pays, uh, plays online, it has always mostly played online. 
it's sometimes easy for me to miss how much this really matters. And I've just seen so many people talking about like how I went finally to a paper event for the first time in two years. And it was so great. And I had so much fun. I saw a post on the arena Reddit, I think yesterday or today with someone who was an arena player. And they're like, I actually went to a paper event, I assume pre-release. And I had so much fun on arena. I'm always getting salty and things, you know, when they don't go wrong, I feel really bad. But I went to this uh, paper event and I was like joking with my opponent and they, you know, put a whatever um, legitimate business person on one of my creatures and I lost the game, but we both laughed about it. And it was just like such an amazing time. So it's easy to miss, I think, uh, when you get so tied up in the, the digital aspect of the game, just how important the gathering part of magic really is. So I'm really hyped to see these events going back. It's been a long time since I've been in a paper magic event, like Vegas, what, three years ago now was the last one that we were all at. So I'm really excited just to get to hang out with some people and have a good time playing some commander games. So I think it's a really big deal. We'll see how successful they are, but I have pretty high expectations uh, now that People have been cooped up for so long, and now that people are starting, at least some people, to do some things again, I think we're going to see a big response to these, and people are going to be really happy just to have a fun weekend of playing Magic. So, to throw in a shameless plug, if you wanted to play with Saffron Olive, or the Asian Avenger, or also Tomer, Budget Commander, where where can people find you guys in the near future? Oh, so, so, June June uh, 3rd through 5th yeah, is... Yeah. Command Fest Richmond in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, we'll be hanging out Friday, Saturday. I gotta leave like uh, Sunday morning ish, so I might be around a little bit on Sunday. But uh, we'll be hanging out, just jamming games yeah. with whoever. So come up and say hi if there's stuff you want signed or whatever. Bring that with you. Bring your commander decks. Uh, would love to get to play with you. So it should be super super fun. I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm also hoping I find an elder brain. Like, I, I I need an Elder Brain while we're there. <laughs> and it's also pre-release yeah. for uh, for Commander Legends, too, which is really, really neat. I'm hoping to get in a pre-release of that while I'm there and check out the new cards, and we'll have all people update our decks with Commander Legends stuff, whatever we get from that. So it should just be a super fun weekend. So if you're in the area or you feel like making the trip, uh, Command Fest Richmond, first weekend in June, so a little over a month away. Anyway, I think those were all of our big topics today. So, uh, fish mail time. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MGGoldfish with the hashtag MGGFishmail. Or get to your questions on air. At Coral underscore, the prices of a lot of Pioneer staples have recently spiked, almost doubling the price of a lot of decks. Do you think this is just a short-term spike or will Pioneer be more expensive going forward? Oh, Pioneer is definitely going to be more expensive, right? I mean, from compared to where it was. Yep. And any 60-card stuff now is going to definitely exponentially spike up now that, you know, GPs are happening again. You've seen, like, you know, the... Uh, competitive play announcement you know pioneers getting a lot of like tournament support which it was lacking which is why it was on life support for a while uh, on top of the like slow bannings but uh like yeah like so it looks like you know pioneer is gonna be one of the big selling tournaments so yeah naturally all the things in it are gonna go up yeah i mean i i agree i think we're seeing a price increase for legitimate reasons this isn't some buyout or finance play like there wasn't paper magic So there wasn't really a reason to build paper pioneer decks for most people during the pandemic. Most people were, you know, building commander decks that they could play at home or with friends or whatever on spell table. But now we have 
Pioneer tournaments back. We have Pioneer qualifiers back. We have a Pioneer Pro Tour. We have Pioneer coming to Arena. So you put all that stuff together and there's just a lot of interest in Pioneer right now. And that's why people are buying cards. People are actually putting together decks. So I think that Pioneer prices are going up. Of course, we'll get master sets and reprints that'll hopefully help bring prices of some stuff down. But I would say if you're interested in the format, I would probably be looking to start picking up stables in the near future if anything maybe the time has passed to some extent with how much prices have already went up in like the last month since the op announcement but i think that yeah i think we're seeing a, a long-term trend of pioneer just going up in cost all right at dtn pleb nation is it even worth it for watsi to print vanilla slash textless basic creatures anymore will we eventually see the death of the basic creature in the future. Thanks, long time from Ontario, Canada. I think they matter for limited still, right? Yeah. Like that's probably what keeps keeps vanilla creatures around. Colossal but I would say specifically. I know that's not vanilla, it's trample. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we have three mana, three, three, like vigilance tramples now at like I mean, we just saw our, our first three mana two one flying draws a card when it enters, right? Like that's a very good common. So I could see where the concern's coming from because yeah, like even commons now have gotten the power creep, which is good for the game because you know the rarity means like I don't have to like, you know, only spend my rares and mythic wild cards because you know I actually like Capanna's got a lot of good uncommons. So I, I, I actually do believe this is the end of just the 2-2 vanilla. Like, like <clears throat> it, it's, it's going to have to be like, yeah, the new 2-2 is going to just essentially, it's 2-2 draws a card when it enters the battlefield and like probably like vigilance or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's 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 been true for years. Uh, they, they will always exist for limited, but like no one cares about them, right? What I want to see is a vanilla mythic. Right, like a I, I don't know a two mana four four or something with like no text, heavy flavor. Like that's how we used to play Magic, right? Like you you played it because it was a demon or an angel, and that in itself was cool enough. You didn't need like eight ETB triggers, right? So for lore purposes, for story purposes, I wish they brought back vanilla creatures. Uh, there are Timmies out there. We like big creatures. We don't need our creatures to blink and come back from the graveyard and draw eight cards. I just want like, you know, here is a dragon. It is big. It attacks. That's it. <laughs> right? I, I, that's, that's all I want. Like, I don't know why we can't do this anymore. And I want this in the context of standard, not limited. So I think it's time to put LSV's theory to the test. Like a five mana, like what does it need to be to be playable? Five mana vanilla. <laughs> Like a ten ten, <laughs> like what does it need nah. to be? <laughs> Gigantosaur is is not. <laughs> I don't even think it's okay. Good that one doesn't count though. That's like too many green mana symbols. Give me <laughs> like something castable, and like how big does it have to be before it's playable? It would be interesting to explore that and see because I think it's going to have to be a pretty high number. Like maybe a castable five. What if what if you had like an easy to cast five mana ten ten. Like just five colorless, Maybe? just or five generic. Well, I mean, I don't know, like a, a one green mana, a four and a green, or something like that, rather than five green. I think that's would that like, be enough? That's playable though. You have to combo. So here's the thing: it's not good enough by itself. You need to combo it with hexproof and trample. So you. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's not a vanilla creature anymore. No, no, if you gotta you use combo with cards to give it those abilities, though, it doesn't come with the the creature. <laughs> But then why don't you just play something that has those abilities? 
I think that's what like where we're at in Magic. Like if you gotta give it those abilities, just play a card that has those abilities. Give me a two mana ten ten. Just want a free a two mana ten ten. I would say that's a pretty good rate. Uh, that that would get played. That, Remember desecration? I think that would work. That four mana six yeah. six flying trample. Like yeah. that was so good. Nowadays yeah. it's like trash tier, right? Like oh, just give me a big beater, such that if you don't answer it you die. But if you answer it with like a 1-1 one, one chump blocker, I'm sad. <laughs> like, I mean, we need Reg- we need a 2020, right? Like, there was that. that I guess was- Registrar is pretty close. That was a 3-mana 7-6, right? I guess that's pretty close. Yeah, and that, that's all play. Like, that was pretty good. A 2020 would be interesting. Like, a 5-mana 2020. So if you kill someone in one shot, maybe that's just too good with flings and Kizul's Furies and whatnot, but that would be interesting. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. The next great designer search. That's my that's my groundbreaking design. <laughs> a five mana twenty twenty. That's it. I, I I would play a five mana twenty twenty. And like a vanilla five mana twenty twenty. I think I'd play that. Yeah, I, I think it would actually be good. I think you can combo with it in a lot of ways. Like Seth's saying, fling rogues passage type effects, trample whatever. But uh, next question, Q Dig. How do cards like Dragon Fodder and Cranko's Command coexist? I thought two of the exact same card can exist with a different name, so you can't play eight of them in the same deck. Uh, is there usually, isn't there usually at least a very binder difference? Not always. There are quite a few instances where you have a, a functional reprint, <laughs> as they're called, where it's literally the same card. I think where it becomes would become problematic, and I can't think of an actual example of this happening in practice, but it was actually like a, a, a very good card. Like if you could play eight Okos or something, that's where you'd probably be in trouble. Um, no one ever. But as far as like Cranko <laughs> Command to Dragon Horde, like, I don't know. Is that a bad thing? I've never really thought of it as a bad thing. Yeah, I, it is. I've, if dragon's fodder is ponder, right? Like that's yeah, that's why ponder's banned, right? You have a critical mass of can trippers that are basically all the same, and it's like too good now, right? You play like twelve can tripping or sixteen can tripping cards. So when they're good, it's a problem. What, what like what's the best card that we can play eight of? I mean, mm-hmm. like the faithless looting or probably something like that. You don't even exist there's today, not eight though. faithless lootings yeah, that actually exist today. I don't think there's any. Uh, maybe it's actually Dragon Horde or something on that level. There's not like Thalia. Or do do like Lord no. There's only eight Thalia effects. <laughs> no, I don't think that's good enough. Or like, so I I don't think you want to like if they're if they're just like a bunch of like small dinky two ones. You do actually need to put pressure, right? So. Soul Sisters. Yeah, we don't. Do you not play eight uh, Soul Sisters? Okay. That <laughs> okay. There's slight differences, but Soul Ward and Soul Attendant. That might be that might actually be the most playable. Yeah. Out of the and they're not technically functional reprints, but they're pretty close. So I don't know if that counts though, based on what the original question was. Because they said usually there's yeah. slight differences, which is true. And there's like there are slight differences between Soul Warden and Soul Attendant. Not huge differences, but there are. So it's not like an actual functional reprint. Hmm. Probably a burn spell. <laughs> but I don't know if we have functional it's not like we, we have another no, actually, literal lightning no bolt. We have a ton of like lightning bolts with extra steps, but Chain lightning and lightning bolt, but even that, it's like there's differences there. So, yeah. All right. Uh, last question, Chief Smeef. 
Is Stacks actually good? Do you think the problem is people using Stacks pieces wrong? Thalia gets used in a lot of Stacks decks, but it makes more sense when you see it as a tool for white aggro to slow down removal and get more attacks in. I agree that, I mean, that uh, Thalia is better in an aggro deck than a Stacks deck. I mean, I, I play her in my humans deck for that exact reason. So it gets more attacks in. And oftentimes they, you play Thalia, right? Like I play my, my humans deck. I, I show him Thalia, both of them. And they're like, is this a stacks deck? I'm like, I mean, it's an aggro deck. I need, I need to slow you down. So sure. I just call it stacks, but like, it's really not right. Like I'm playing, like I'm still beating you down with like Thalia's lieutenant. And you know, I'm Trin and Silvar, right? Those are my commanders. So like I'm just generating a ton of humans and I'm just trying to slow the game down. Uh, or at least not slow the game down, slow you down so I can kill you. I mean, I think that is often the best use of stacks pieces. Like, uh, you even see that. I, I think that people do get caught up in the trap of trusting that their stacks pieces are going to win them the game rather than using them to further their game plan. That's something I've run into and talked about many times as a Blood Moon lover in modern. Like, just playing a Blood Moon isn't going to win you the game. Like, you got to have Blood Moon, and then you also have to have a fast clock. So the best use of Blood Moon, almost similar to Thalia, is when you're playing it thinking, okay, this is going to disrupt my opponent for, like, four turns maybe three or four turns that gives me a three or four turn window to hopefully close out the game rather than like okay i'm gonna play blood moon and this is gonna keep my opponent from doing anything forever very similar to thalia like thalia its best use is often i'm playing an aggro deck i need to slow down a wrath by a turn because if i can get that one more turn i'm gonna get enough combat damage to close out the game so i do think that people thinking about uh, stacks pieces differently is, is support pieces for their game plan rather than the end game for their deck is something that we should do more of for sure. Look, I might have made mistakes and brought in Blood Moon against Eldrazi Tron, which like, <laughs> actually does nothing. Yeah. Because they're like, okay, I play my fourth land and I thought not to hear you. Or the worst is when you lose with a Blood Moon against Tron. Oh and my you're like, oh. They just, you just barely cast the worm coil. Yeah, yeah, they just like worm coil, carn. Great. Here's Tarpagloid. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, like, it's a tax. It slows you down. It's a stop you. I think there are very few real stacks decks nowadays where you're actually, like, locked out of the game. Uh, usually you just call that a combo deck. Uh, but you just tax to slow them down. You got to actually finish the game. And if you overload on stacks pieces, then you're not finishing the game. So, yeah, I think... I think if you play death and taxes and things like that, you, you learn that quite quickly. That you can you can lock people down as much as you want, but they'll still worm their way out of it. So you actually right. need to end them quickly. Um, well, yeah. th- that's what, But you see, how you can get around that, though, is you just play like 12 ways to protect your board. <laughs> I play so many <laughs> ways to keep my creatures alive. <laughs> you know I love... Then you lose to the clock. Yeah, oh, yeah, you lose the clock. <laughs> We're already got a time here. Can't but, kill each other. Draw. This was not useful. You can you can kill like like you know because lots of sweepers and things like that. So and that's how you keep your thalias and, and and things like that, right? So so you just play like glorious protector and and all of those. So those are good. This is lantern control all no, over again. No, They're no, really no, good no. at stopping you, but then they they take really long to win as well, and then they just run out of time. And you get a draw. And not like, not if thanks guys. Not if you have like humans, like General Kudro, all those things. You know, Jonathan Magistrate, the squads on board, and you just protect them. Like that's always been fun. That's how I built my aggro deck. At least it's very aggressive. 
All right. Thank you to everyone who sent in questions. If you have questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 378 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Grimm, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, have a wonderful week, everyone. And this is a crew signing out. Thank you.